Hello, welcome to Syracuse Speaks, The View from the AHL, a Syracuse Crunch-centric podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ackerman. Let's get started. In today's episode, I welcome back Patrick Williams. It's kind of fitting that he closes out our season three here on Syracuse Speaks. The seasons don't exactly mean much. I usually kind of put them right around free agency because to me, that's sort of the start of the next season coming up. But regardless, this is the final episode of season three. So once free agency is done, we'll be back um, to give you an episode to kick off season four, covering all of the moves that the Tampa Bay Lightning make or don't make as the case may be, I guess we'll have to see, and whatever news comes up. But For today, we are welcoming Patrick Williams back, and as always, I so appreciate that he gives us his time. His insights are invaluable, and I think you all are really going to enjoy today's episode. So sit back, relax, and have a cup of coffee with Patrick and I. It is July 19th, 2021. The 2021 season has actually been completed. It got off the ground. It ended. We're good to go. So Patrick, First off, just kind of pretend that you could go back to February 5th, 2021, which was the opening night for the league of this past season, and give yourself some words of wisdom. There was so much that was unknown back then. So what might you say to yourself now, knowing what you know about how the season turned out? First and foremost, the league got through the 2021 season intact. Um, Definitely some dents in in the car, so to speak. But they got through it. I think they're better for it, you know, and it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes you have to go through bad experiences uh, to get to the other side of it. And But you do come up, come through it with some lessons learned and some new ways of doing things and a new fresh outlook. And I think that is where I would put the lead at at this moment, six plus months removed from that February 5th start date. As we're kind of looking forward to next season, you know, what do you think is going to be some of the biggest obstacles facing these teams as they scramble to get ready for October? I would describe it as ongoing uncertainty about the COVID pandemic. Um, It's still hanging around out there. Uh, We're seeing the cases in the States, at least start to creep up again and anything where, you know, like any business where you have uncertainty um, that's a bad thing. Um, and anything I think that rattles confidence at all, you know, be it with your fans, uh, your, your business partners or within your industry itself is a challenge. So I think, uh, first and foremost, that's the biggest thing. Uh, you're trying to get back on your feet. Um, you definitely took some hits this past year. Um, you're, you're trying to ramp up your hiring for your front office. You're trying to, obviously you're trying to get people back in your building. You're trying to sell sponsorships, so as on the boards, on the ice, in the program, on the scoreboard, what have you, anything that fosters some uncertainty or doubt, I think is a challenge. And uh, not to say that's an insurmountable challenge. I think as we've seen, the AHL um, is resilient. Uh, it, it's a lead that can overcome a lot as it did this past year. But it's just one more thing now that you're trying to trying to handle. And um, you know, for example, if you're Scott Helson, the president of the league, um, you haven't really even had a chance to really get behind the wheel of this league, you know, in a normal setting. You, you came into the league. It was already a, a full-blown pandemic at that point. The first year was just getting the league uh, through that storm. Um, now you want to have the chance to really start to shape the league, um, implement some of your vision, uh, some of the initiatives you'd like to do. 
Um, and this, the more that this hangs around, the, the more that interferes with that vision. So um, the sooner you can get past this uncertainty that really is no doing of your own, um, the more you can um, really put this pandemic in the, in the rear mirror and uh, ideally you know, move forward and um, kind of just keep this as a bad memory. Um, you know, and I think that's really, that's not, not just the American Hockey League, it's not even just hockey, it's really across society, across all sorts of industries um, that you're, you're trying to salvage what you can from this experience in terms of experience and um, you know, lessons, but also you also want to leave it behind and, and, and not live this any longer than you have to. It was kind of interesting because one of the things that Syracuse owner Howard Dolgan brought up during one of his Facebook chats, I don't remember which one, but he made a comment about Syracuse hosting some preseason games and the crunch really hasn't been that eager to host preseason games in the past couple of seasons. Mm -hmm. The lightning especially has been like, let's go overseas or let's go up to Newfoundland when they were part of the league or, you know, we don't really care about hosting preseason games at home for the moment, but Dolgan seemed really excited about the prospect of, putting together a game presentation for the first time in over a year. So do you think that the 2021 AHL preseason is going to be a bigger deal than usual for a lot of these teams? Yeah, I think, think of it almost as a dress rehearsal Um, before opening night. um, It's a chance. I mean, remember a lot of these teams, you're going to have a pretty overhauled front office and not so much the crunch, but um, you know, in in a case of a team like the crunch, uh, maybe there's different policies now that you had from the past. Plus, it's just been a year and a half since you had a game night. You know, everybody has to kind of get back in that habit and, um, you know, get through that uh, first night. You know, maybe there's jitters. I mean, all, you know, it's like anything else. And um, certainly for for across the league in general, I mean, there are teams literally like they maybe had one or two people in their front office this past season. So they have to go out and hire a whole new staff. Uh, game night presentation people, what have you. And um, so if you can sort of get through those opening night jitters, you know, before actually having opening night and you can do it in kind of a more laid back setting of a pre uh, preseason game, I can see why teams would definitely do that. And it's also a chance, I think, at least you bring a little bit of revenue. Um, you know, obviously it's not the same, but um Every little bit counts. Uh, it's a chance to drum up a little bit more excitement, uh, maybe sell a few more concessions or beers or what have you and uh, jerseys and, and ball caps and what, you know, whatever you're trying to do. Um, so I could see it being more of a thing than your typical, you know, a lot of teams you see them play in a practice rank or in a almost a community rank. I think more teams will probably want to do it uh, a little bit more in a formal setting like their home arena. Yeah. What do you think that the NHL season schedule will kind of interfere with any of this at all? What do you suppose rosters might be looking like for those preseason games? It's a good question. I mean, kind of have everything thrown into the pot this year. You have obviously the pandemic, you have this, the, the timeline of the summer uh, thrown off by, by, you know, pretty much a good solid month. Um, you have um, NHL teams coming back on their end of things. Um, I think you're going to see just a lot of, I don't want to say chaos, but you're going to see just, you know, uh, a lot of kind of like everybody 
moving on a day-to-day basis in the preseason where um, you're, you know, you're just putting your rosters together. I think we'll see a lot of last minute moves for one. I mean, especially with the expansion, especially with uh, 32nd team coming in now and that, that always in the best of times creates some upheaval. And now that, that can creep into, um, you know, into the latter part of September, October, uh, as everybody kind of reshuffles and figures out what works for them and what doesn't. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit chaotic. I mean, but I guess the flip side of that is, I mean, we've been through the 2021 season. Uh, so we can get through that. If we can get through all that chaos, I mean, we can certainly get through a kind of a little bit of a, unusual preseason. So I think that that's sort of the lesson I'm, I'm talking about with, with, with hockey and with the American hockey league specifically that um, they prove to themselves that they can get through really difficult times. And really, you don't know that until you're tested. Uh, and they were certainly tested this year. Uh, and I would say they came through it pretty much with flying colors. I mean, you know, there were a little bit of hiccups here and there, but um, they did well, all things considered uh, with what they had thrown at them. And um, I think that gives you confidence as a league that you can deal with, with difficult situations and be better off for them. I mean, even if at the time when you're going through them, it's not much fun. If we look at things from, you know, both a league perspective and you can throw in your own, any kind of professional or personal perspective too, into this, what are you hoping to see from the upcoming AHL season? normalcy i think that's the biggest thing um and then in a more specific way i'm looking forward to the cup final um for me that that's the highlight of every season that's why you go through the long six month regular season um to get to that playoff i mean Calder cup playoffs are amazing uh the intensity of the hockey second to none um and you 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 see that in the cup presentation every year. And it, for 26 years, it was Dave Andrews this year. It will be Scott Halson. Uh, you see the excitement on the players' faces. I mean, I've had players just, it, you know, they think they know what to expect from it. And then it happens and they're almost just overtaken by their emotion and um, the, the significance of the situation. And, you know, for a lot of players, this is their Stanley cup. Um, and uh, it's, not something that they know quite how to prepare for until it actually happens. And so that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, and then I think also just seeing people in the building again, I mean, yeah, there were some fans here and there in this past season, but it wasn't the same by any stretch. So seeing, you know, on a Saturday night, you go into Syracuse and you see a full house and um, that that's what I'm looking for. Just seeing hockey back to being hockey and not just players on the ice, but it's everything else that comes with it. It's like I said, Full, full buildings, um, front office people not having to deal with the stress of uh, their careers, um, you know, not seeing masks and all that for the players and, and everything that, that kind of, I think, depersonalizes things, even though obviously we know why they had to do it. Um, just, yeah, normalcy. Normalcy is, for me and I think for most people, first and foremost, uh, the goal for this coming season. You spoke really highly of the the Calder Cup and especially the the Calder Cup finals. And 
we all know that many NHL bigwigs think of that period of hockey as the closest these guys can get to the NHL without actually being in the NHL, the level of competition, the level of expectations. When you're fighting for a championship at the AHL level, that's, that's the closest you can get. Yep. We have quite a few teams, you know, the Pacific division, notwithstanding, and, and that really wasn't even a, a specific playoff situation per se, who haven't had to have that fight for two seasons now because it was canceled in, in 1920 and now it's 2021 and it was, we didn't have playoffs this past season either. So do you think there's going to be any kind of lag in development for these players or, or a reduction of maybe some expectations and programs just because those two years were kind of a lost year when it comes to that level of hockey? I think so. I think that's fair to say. I've had uh, a coach or two tell me over the years that, you know, one playoff game is really the equivalent of three or four regular season games because the hockey quality is that much better and the intensity is that much higher and the stakes are high. And like you said, it's the closest thing you're going to get to the NHL without actually being in the NHL. Um, now I will say I was, I was really pleasantly surprised by this past uh, season's uh, Western or Pacific division playoff, especially, you know, Bakersfield playing Henderson. I mean, that was legitimately playoff hockey players were playing hard I wasn't quite sure how it would unfold that, you know, there was all that kind of uh, upheaval about uh, would players want to participate in a playoff, you know, this past season. Well, they showed that they, they were into it. And uh, you had 7,000 people in the building in Las Vegas. Uh, players played every bit like it was a playoff game, like they were playing for the quarter cup and not just uh, for a division title. So um, players, I think, are pretty resilient in terms of uh, – being able to, to adapt and bounce back. And um, so I think playoff hockey this next spring will, will look like it's always looked, but I, yeah, it, it's one of those things that's hard to quantify how much effect will not having two seasons of playoff experience be for players. Um, it's one of those things that's hard to say one way or the other in terms of uh, being able to quantify it or prove it, but gut instinct would tell me that, yeah, you know, when you're missing that kind of experience, um, yes, it, it's bound to have an effect. And, but I do think players can bounce back from it pretty well and overcome it, but uh, it's not ideal for anybody to have missed out uh, two years of that experience. I mean, just, and if nothing else, just the experience and the memories that players build going through it. I mean, I have players that, you know, 10, 15 years after they've, been through it they still talk about it and you know they reminisce and you know like trade stories and every you know it's like the old thing you know every time you tell the story it gets a little bit more exaggerated and a little bit more dramatic um so um yeah i think you know it's you only get one chance to be a pro player at that level uh, to play for the second best uh league in the world and the best uh, trophy uh, other than the stanley cup and um it's um yeah it's to not have that, I feel bad for players to not have been able to experience that and to go through that with their teammates and the, and the fans. Obviously, the fans are another component of that. Um, you know, this is why fans, you know, especially the diehard fans, like they show up every night during the regular season and then the, the playoffs are the, the cherry on top. And if you don't have that, yeah, you, you definitely do lose a little bit. Uh, and, and I think certainly fans in the past couple of years, it's been tough for them. And, you know, obviously aside from everything else on 
wide scale society, just, you know, if we drill down to the little, you know, our little world of hockey, uh, fans have lost something, uh, not having that the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You can definitely say, I think that NHL organizations, those playoff memories and those moments where the players get to experience those things. If things are going right in your organization, you build off of those moments. And I think that no organization has proven that better in the past couple of years than the Tampa Bay lightning. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of those players, I did the math um, for the last podcast that I did and 24 of the players on the lightning's game roster for the Stanley cup this past season went through the AHL, you know, and most of them spent some kind of time in Syracuse, whether it was with that 2013 team with Tyler Johnson and Alex Kalorn, whether it was that 2017 team with quite a few other players, you know, that cycle that the lightning has seen their AHL clubs go through of repeated playoff appearances, Calder Cup final appearances, Calder Cup final win in 2011, they have reaped those benefits these past two seasons. So can you speak a little bit to that cycle that we've seen the Lightning really take advantage of and and just take and kind of run with as they've won the Stanley Cup these past two years? I think you make a great point. It's almost multiple generations have come through. Uh, You have that 2013 class, the 2017 class, and then kind of the 2019 slash 20 even 21 class, you know, like a Russ or Ross Colton, for example. Um, it speaks to what Syracuse has been able to do. Not just, they, they didn't have one good crop come out. They've had multiple crops of players, not just players, coaches, uh, training staff, uh, executives, right down the list. Um, it, it speaks to the system they built and just what they've been able to do year in and year out, that, that level, that standard they, they've, implemented there um tampa bay lightning aren't where they are without the syracuse crimes bottom line um and uh yeah, they're, they're kind of the blueprint for any team around the nhl if, if you're looking to build stanley cup champion that 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 can win back-to-back championships that can be a contender year in and year out for a long time this is what you need to do at the American Hockey League level. And we see some other teams do it. The Washington Capitals certainly had their success with Hershey. Uh, you know, 2018, they had 14 Hershey alumni on their team. Um, you can't win You can't win in the NHL now if you don't have a, a strong American Hockey League program. Tampa Bay is proof positive of that. I mean, and you, you it's interesting because you look at Tampa Bay up until that point, um, Obviously, they had the, the championship in uh, 2004, but, you know, for a long time, the Lightning and their American Hockey League team had a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, they did not have success. They didn't develop players. And uh, when, once they finally got that squared away, right around that 2010, 2011 point, <laughs> I mean, they've just taken off ever since. They've never really looked back. So, um, yeah, it, it, it speaks to what they've done, speaks to what they, the pro or the uh, – setup they have in Syracuse starting with Howard Dolgan with his staff um, where if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning you hand your players off to Syracuse you know they're in good hands you don't have to worry that um, you know the players aren't being cared for properly and that's that's a huge thing for any team because um, at the NHL level I can tell you having covered you know five years with the Winnipeg Jets it's a there's more than enough up there to keep everybody occupied. Never mind having to worry about your American Hockey League team. So the, the more that you can hand off um, 
to a top-notch uh, setup like the Syracuse Crunch, the better off you're, you are at both levels. So, um, yeah, full full march to, to what they've done, uh, both in Tampa and Syracuse. And really, I mean, you can see why other teams are trying to copy that model and build that standard. And it's easier said than done. But if you, if you can actually get it implemented, um, you can really go a long way at the NHL level. It's really kind of scary when I talk to some of my lightning friends that have been a fan of the team since the beginning. And they talk uh, very negatively about the OK hockey years. And I'm not exactly sure how all that went down or what that really means. But from what I understand, OK hockey was not great. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's been really obviously for, from a Syracuse perspective, the fact that the lightning has changed their focus and really kind of put that together. It's definitely been beneficial and much less stressful than some previous organizations that the crunch were partnered with. (laughs) Yes. Yes. No, I think the crunch have found their, their partner. Uh, They, I think both sides understand each other and that's, that's easier said than done again. Like, you know, you, as we saw with Syracuse, you know, they didn't have a fit with Anaheim. They, they had a fit for a little bit with Columbus, but then that, you know, they had to, I think part ways. Um, If you can find a long-term partner where the NHL side and the AHL side both understand each other, they, they, and it takes a buy-in from your NHL side. Um, they have to really respect what you're doing in the American Hockey League, uh, what your needs are as, as, as a operation. Um, and I do think that sometimes gets lost where um, there's this mentality of, um, you know, we have to look out for the NHL team and, you know, whatever happens with the AHL team, well, oh, well. But AHL teams, they have a business like anyone else. Um, they have to sell tickets. They have to keep things um, – going on their end of things. And uh, if you don't have an NHL partner that understands that and can help you accomplish that, that's where you really get into some real difficult problems. And, and eventually that becomes a problem for the NHL team. That's where you, you see them have to start bouncing around from one affiliate to the next. Um, and every, every three or four years, they're kind of starting from scratch. So uh, it's, it's really in your best interest as an NHL team to invest properly into your American league team. Um, especially with an independently owned team like Syracuse is and uh, respect that they, they have certain business considerations and certain needs and try to work as a true partnership. And you hear that term more and more uh, used uh, by, especially by NHL clubs, realizing that it is a partnership and that, you know, what's good for Syracuse is good for Tampa and vice versa. So um, again, that message doesn't always get through. And it's one thing to say, it, you know, in the summer, it's another thing to say in the middle of the season where everybody's scrambling and kind of looking out for their own needs. But um, if you can always stay on the same page and stay on message like the Syracuse Crunch and Tampa Bay have done, long term, it just builds trust. It builds that cohesion and uh, it just smooths out a lot of those difficult times where, uh, you know, you, you're you in Syracuse, for example, say Syracuse is going through a 16 losing streak and the fans are grumbling and things are a little bit tense. Um, when you have that history that you can fall back on, know that you can get through it. It just goes such a long way. And I mean, it takes time to build it, but once it does get built, it really, uh, it's worth it. And I think we're seeing that now, you know, and teams are realizing, and that, that's a big push for the re 
really the reorganizing of the AHL in the last five or six years that, you know, really have to get a good long-term partner. I think that's uh, what every NHL team is looking for. Um, some probably more successfully than others, but if you can get a situation where you're Tampa, Syracuse or Boston province, Hershey, Washington, et cetera, you're just so much better off. And it just, you know, it just eliminates one major headache for the NHL club. Yeah. Can you do me a favor and stop tweeting about the AHL moving into Florida? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> every time you do that, I get nervous. <laughs> I can assure you if, if that ever came to pass, you would have teams lining up to go into Syracuse. Um, people have taken notice um, what they do um, uh, that you would, you would not skip a beat in Syracuse. I can assure you that. Um, it, it has so many advantages working for it, not the least of which is its location. Um, if you're in Syracuse, you're pretty much other than Charlotte, no more than four or so hours away from anybody in your conference. So <laughs> I understand, I understand that, but um, this is where Syracuse's uh, goodwill and the uh, accomplishments that they've built up through the years would really come to serve them well if that ever came to pass, which I don't think it actually will. Um, I get asked that a fair amount uh, by fans about Florida and, you know, they looked at that and, you know, and there are some definitely attractive markets down there that I think would be really good American hockey league markets. But um, again, I, uh, hockey is not generally a risk-taking kind of sport uh, from the business side. And I think you would, you'd be hard pressed to see a team want to leave the setup like Syracuse to kind of venture out onto their own and try something new. So um, yeah, there, I think Syracuse is, is very safe and uh, I wouldn't worry. Like most teams <laughs> who have um, won a championship, you know, the lightning organization is probably going to look a little different come this fall, which means that free agency has the potential to be really exciting or it has the potential to be kind of frightening and sort of a bust at the AHL level as they try to kind of rebuild up at the NHL level. So what are you seeing as far as your predictions for free agency coming up, you know, whether it's across the league or specifically for Syracuse, seems like AHL vets had a particularly tough time last season. Are you seeing signs of that happening again? We have an expansion draft that could affect things. You know, what are you, what are you predicting when it comes to these things? Well, last season was kind of a perfect storm, but not perfect, I guess, um, for vet, vets in this league, because you had all the financial uncertainty. You had just the general overall uncertainty. And then you had this influx of CHL kids coming in 18, 19 years old, taking up spots. You don't have that this year. And I, I've tried to get a sense, you know, talking to different people, you know, general managers and such, uh, getting kind of a sense of what the player market might look like. Um, I think they're fairly optimistic. I mean, it may not be the good, good old days of three or four years ago for players, but, uh, you know, for example, if you look at San Diego, um, they just signed a trio of players, Sam Carrick, their captain, uh, Trevor Carrick, real top defenseman and uh, Vinny Letary, another top forward, all players who very accomplished in this league and they all got a pretty good contract uh, uh, in terms of uh, both financial and terms. So um, I think that bodes well. Um, and, and really, if you look at the depth charts across 
most of the teams at the AHL level, um, there's major holes. I mean, I think Grand Rapids at this point has five forwards under contract. So, for example, I mean, that, that's a lot of spots you have to fill. And, yeah, sure, you'll have some players coming up from junior uh, as rookies, but um, there's a lot who will – there's a lot of spots that have to uh, get, get filled, and vets are the best one uh, to fill that. I think we haven't seen as much movement to Europe either this summer, which is not that surprising, I think, given everything going on. Um, so – there's more players, I think, staying, um, you know, in North America, which probably is good and bad for those players because, uh, you know, obviously it, it creates some of the competition uh, for jobs. But, uh, you know, it also, I think, generally just gives the market a little bit of a push and uh, kind of, you know, rising tide lifts all ships uh, situation for, for veteran players. So I'm – I think I would say I'm cautiously optimistic about veterans um, uh, for the, this summer's free agent market. You know, I, I don't think you may not see the the days of the $450,000 uh, two way deals being handed out like they were a couple of years ago, but I think you'll still see uh, both good money and term and opportunity um, uh, available for players. And uh, especially if you're a player willing to maybe go to less um, glamorous or less, um, you know, desired, uh, spots. Um, I think you can do okay for yourself. And, you know, there are a lot of players that, that, you know, that fall into that boat. I mean, a lot of players who didn't even play last season. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing if you're a player, just staying on radar. Um, I've had players reach out to me asking, you know, what, what I know about the market and, you know, if, um, where they think (laughs) they would be a good fit. I'm like, okay, (laughs) That's a little different, uh, something I haven't seen before, but uh, players, you know, like, like anyone else are, you know, they're nervous. Uh, free agency is always a little bit of a stressful time for players um, in the best of times. And uh, certainly this year more so, but um, I, I would say to them, I think you can be cautiously optimistic, you know, but you know, we'll see. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of, a, I think, uncharted water for everybody. Uh, you know, last season was so chaotic. Free agency was so chaotic and nobody knew what to, what you were even really signing players up for, you know, if there's even go- going to be a season. So now you, you, ha- you have a sense that there is a season. It's going to be a normal full season. You can get a little bit more bang from your butt for players. Um, so I think, I think everybody should get through this okay, but there probably will be a little bit of stress uh, before all is said and done. I can't bring myself to feel too bad for Grand Rapids, but hopefully you're sending <laughs> some of those players that are reaching out to you to the Lightning organization. <laughs> um, I think any player would look at the Lightning and Syracuse and definitely be that would be an attractive spot. I mean, if you're a player, um, you know, you just do the math and you see all the players that have come through Syracuse, gone on to NHL jobs or, or go on, gone to other good places. Um, yeah. I mean, it's travels pretty good in Syracuse. The, the team takes good care of you. Um, yeah. There's a lot to like if you're a free agent. And I mean, I know if I was the top player, uh, you know, looking for a job this season, I would definitely want to be reaching out to Syracuse and Tampa and see what they might have to offer. All right. Well, we'll have to see what free agency brings next week. Feels weird to say that on, you know, July 19th, but that's again, it's where we are. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. So thank you so much, Patrick. I really appreciate you coming on today. 
My pleasure. Thank you. All right. And enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you. I think that will do it for this week's episode, so I want to thank you all so much for listening. I'm Alex Ackerman. I'm the host and creator of this podcast, and my social media is always open to anybody who wants to come follow me or wants to give any kind of feedback or ask questions. My personal Twitter is at Alovimo, A-L-L-O-V-I-M-O, and my hockey handle is over at Sinbin Crunch. I would also like to thank Kevin McLeod and Purple Planet Music for the royalty-free tracks that were heard throughout this podcast. I hope you all have a wonderful week or two until I see you again. Take care of each other out there in Crunchland, and I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>